Okay, so we're going to pick it up from Nedarim, Daf Pehei Amid Beis. Um, this entire Amid is basically one long thought, so I'm going to pick it up from Pehei Amid Beis, six lines from the bottom. Um, if anyone wants, this is what I did, I think it's helpful. Uh, this entire Daf is almost word for word repeated from Ksubis Daf Nuntes. So I listened to the recording of Ksubis Daf Nuntes, you can find it on the website, at, that, uh, at SoundCloud also, that, that is helpful. But... We're, uh, again, we're bothered by a kasha. The kasha is, there's a contradiction in Shmuel. Shmuel said in our Mishnah, right, our Mishnah said that if a woman makes a nether, that she's kainam, kainam that she makes a nether that her handiwork, her whatever she earns, her husband cannot benefit from. So Rabbi Yochan Menuri's opinion is that he should revoke the vow. Why? Because while it may not have taken into effect now, if she gets divorced, then it's going to take effect. Shmuel Paskin like Rabbi Yechem Nuri. Now Rabbi Yechem Nuri is based on the assumption, he's going with the impression that Adam Makdish Davr which is that a person can consecrate something that doesn't yet exist. Over here she's making a nether, an asering, as a carbon, with the level of a carbon, she's asering um, items that don't exist yet, right? It'll take effect after they get divorced, which means right now it doesn't exist, but after they get divorced, it takes effect. And it's a valid nether. So, Shmuel passing Zagrebech Manuri, Sisi Adam Magdish Davish The problem is, that's when it comes to kainum, when it comes to asering something, asering benefit from someone. The problem is, Shmuel also passes like Rabbi Yechem Asandler, that if a woman says the excess, the money that she makes above, you know, there's the minimum amount that a woman has to earn, and that's an exchange for the husband's uh, mezainus, and then there's excess. If she is makdish excess, so it doesn't yet exist, let's say the amount she has to earn every month is $100, so she says, whatever's above $100, I'm makdish, it belongs to the Bisa Mikdash, Rebbechemen Sandler says it doesn't work. Why? Because it doesn't yet exist. And in other Magdish of Shabloilum, and Shmuel passing like Revichman Asalam. So you have Shmuel's passing of Revichman Nuri, that when it comes to a neder, a person is able to make something Aser, even though it doesn't yet exist. But when it comes to Hegdish, you can't be Magdish something that doesn't exist. So how do you reconcile? So we said, Amrav Huna Breder of Yeshua. This is his answer. Rav Yosef had his answer in yesterday's daf, but we're, uh, we're moving on from that. By Meris Yikachu Yodei Loisayin. Rav Yechman Nuri's ruling that. If she makes the neder that her earnings are usher to her husband after she gets divorced, is not a case of other because it's not other uh, means it doesn't yet exist. Over here it exists. Why? Because she's not makdish. She's not assering the earnings. She's assering her hands that will make the earnings. And her hands and her hands exist currently. Now here's the problem. Now, by the way, it doesn't really address, the Gemara is going to ask in a moment, then why doesn't it become Asr now, right? She's asking her hands, which currently exist, then why does it take effect after Gerishin? We'll see in a moment. So, but the Gemara says, before we even do that, so she's asking her hands. The problem is, why does that even work? Her hands belong to her husband. Since... Her hands and the handiwork that her hands make belong to the husband. So how could she asser her hands regarding her husband? It's not. Uh, it's not hers to asser, right? Even if you, it has nothing to do with other magzushar Over here, her hands don't don't belong to her. The answer is She says when they're divorced, when I'm divorced, 
my hands will become also to, also to him. Now here's the problem. But, but it's the same problem, which is, we're trying to explain how Shmuel can paskin that if a woman says kainam after the divorce, it takes effect when he also paskins ein adam magdish which means you cannot consecrate something that doesn't yet exist. So we said, yeah, because it does exist because it's her hands, and her hands exist right now. But we said, so that why doesn't it affect right away? Because she said it'll only take effect after she gets divorced. So it's back to the original problem. So why does it work? Ein adam magdish and the Gemara continues to have pay So Ravi Law says, I'll tell you why it works. If someone were to say to his friend, I have a field, right? Reuben owns a field. And he says to Shimon, I'm going to sell you my field in a few days. And then I'm going to buy it back from you in a few years. And when I buy it back from you, it should be consecrated. It's holy. Meaning, the reason why it works in that case, so again, he owns the field. He says to Shimon, I'm going to sell you the field. And then I'm going to buy it back from you in five years. When I buy it back, I want it to be consecrated. The halach is that it works. Why? Because he started the process of consecrating it while he still owned it. So too over here, she owns her hands. And she said, when I become divorced, it'll become usher to this man. So it's it works because she started the process when she owned her hands before uh, before the divorce. But the Gemara instantly says a problem. This entire daf is just pinging back and forth. The Gemara says, Maskathlar of Yirmiya. Rav Yirmiya says, I don't understand. Me, dummy, how do you compare the two? Sada Zushani It's not comparable. In the case of the field, where Reuben says to Shimon, I'm going to sell you this field. Right now, Reuben owns it, and he says, In a few days, I'm going to sell it to you. And then in five years, I'm going to buy it back. And when I buy it back, I want it to be holy. The reason why it works is because right now, he owns the field. So when he's saying the statement and beginning the process, he's in complete ownership. What's the case of the Mishnah? The Mishnah is a woman who's married, who she does not own her own hands because her hands belong to her husband from a uh, you know, practical standpoint. She says, when I'm divorced, I want my hands to be also to this man. So that works. But it's not comparable. Because in the case of the field, when he said the statement, he owned the field. But over here, when she said the statement, she was married. She didn't have rights to her hands. So it's not comparable at all. It's actually more comparable. It's actually more comparable to the following case. If someone says, Let's say in the case of Reuben and Shimon, but instead of Reuben saying his statement when he still owns the field, let's say Reuben sold the field to Shimon. Then while Shimon owns the field, Reuben says, Hey, I'm going to buy it back from you in five years, and when I buy it back, I want it to be holy. You know what the halach is? It's not holy. Why? Because when he said the statement, he didn't own the field. So to over here, when the woman makes the statement, that when I get divorced, my hands should be holy, it shouldn't work because she doesn't yet own her hands when she said it. And the only way it would work is if you hold and we're trying to say that he doesn't hold that way. And the reason why this is different is because her hand, she said it's about her hands, not about the earnings, but she doesn't own her hands when she says it. So if it's not comparable to a field, again, the case of the field where Reuben owns the field and then he says to Shimon, hey, in a few weeks I'm going to sell you the field and then I'm going to buy it back in five years. When I buy it back, I want it to be holy. It does work because at least when he said it, he owned it. Over here, when, she, when, when, when the woman says the net the, there, she doesn't own the field yet. She, she, I'm sorry, she doesn't own her hands when she says it. She says, when I get divorced, it should be also to my husband. But when she said it, she doesn't own her hands. So the Gemara says, Master of Papa, Rav Papa says, wait a minute, me dummy. Why are you assuming she doesn't own her hands? Of course she owns her hands. 
The Gemara says, regarding the woman, why are you so confident that she doesn't own her hands? Of course she owns her hands. Her husband has rights to her hands, but she still owns it. Holy dumb, you know what it's comparable to? You know what it's comparable to? Reuben has a field. Reuben owes money to Shimon. So he says to Shimon, hey, you hold my field as collateral. Then when he gives him the field as collateral, he says, hey, when I redeem it back, meaning when I pay off the debt and I get my field back, I want it to be holy. You know what the halach is? It's holy. Because he started the process when he owned it. I, he gave it as collateral. Collateral doesn't mean it's shimon. It just means shimon is holding on to it. So too, when a woman gets married, the Gemara is saying, you're assuming that she doesn't own her hands. That's not true. She owns her hands. It's just the husband has the rights to the usage. So it's like a, a, a collateral situation. She's the owner of the hands. The husband is just sort of holding onto the hands, has rights to it, but the owner is still the wife. So therefore, because she still owns her hands and she says, my hands, after I get divorced, should be also to him, the nether takes effect. The Gemara says, wait a minute. How are you comparing that? You're comparing her hands, that she's the owner, to a person who puts his land as collateral, that he's the, still the same owner. But it's not comparable. I'll tell you why. The case of the collateral case, where Reuben gives his field to Shimon as collateral, but he's still the owner, is because he could get the field back whenever he wants. He just has to write a check. It's in his still. It's still in his power to get the field back out of collateral. But a woman can't get her hands back. How can she get her hands back? How can she get full rights back if she gets divorced? But she can't begin the divorce. It's the husband's right to get divorced, not hers. Holy dumb, you know what it's comparable to? If someone says to his friend, Now, uh, okay, this is a funny, uh, the syntax is a little bit strange. The Gemara says, you know what it's comparable to? Holy dumb, you know what it's comparable to? Yeah. It's actually more comparable. That if someone pledged a field, again, he gave the, Reuben gave his field to collateral to Shimon, but he said, it's yours for 10 years, you get to hold on to it for 10 years. Okay? Meaning, Reuben gave him the field and he said, on stipulation, you hold on to the field for 10 years. The halacha is, and he says that after 10 years, when I get it back, I want it to be holy. Of course it's holy. Meaning, over there also, so the Gemara is saying, oh, so you see over there, that's comparable. Why? Both cases, again, the Gemara is trying to figure out what's the good comparison for a wife's hands. So the Gemara says, you know what it's comparable to? It's a man, he gives his field over to Shimon as collateral, but he says, I cannot redeem it for 10 years. But after 10 years, when I want it back, when I get it back, I want it to be holy. So to a woman, her hands, while she's married, she can't get it back, just like he can't get it back for 10 years. But once it's divorced, she wants her hands to be ushered to him. So too, it should work. But the Gemara instantly says, Maskler Ravashi, mi domi, hasam kayitz, isha kitsusa. It's not comparable. Go to the next page. Because at least with the with the collateral case, while he did stipulate the 10 years, it's out of his it's out of his domain. But at least, but after 10 years, he knows when it's gonna end. A woman never knows when she's gonna get her hands back. She only gets her hands back full rights to her own earnings, which are symbolized by her hands. She only gets that back when she's divorced. She has no idea when the divorce will happen. It's completely out of her jurisdiction. So therefore, back to the original question, 
How could Shmuel paskin learn Rav Yochum ben Nuri and Rav Yochum Asandler? How could he paskin that a woman is able to answer like Rav Yochum ben Nuri that if she says Kainam that if she says to her husband my hands are um, that that my earnings are also to you? So Rav Yochum ben Nuri says you have to revoke the vow because after she gets divorced it's going to take effect. I but he also paskins ain't other magdish davershal beloilu. So we had two answers so far. We had Rav Yosef who said that Kainam is different, but then we rejected that. Then we had. Uh, today's shot, which was Rav Hunabrider of Yeshua, that she didn't actually say her earnings, which doesn't exist. She said her hands. The problem is the same thing. Her hands also don't exist. She only gets rights to her hands after the divorce. So it's still going with the same assumption. That's Makdish Dover Shalabalaylam. So it's a contradiction. So go to the next page. Ravashi, you know what Ravashi says? Shani Kainamais. Back to the original answer, similar to Rav Yosef. And that is. That in general Shmuel holds ain other magdish but kainamis are different. And if a woman says kainam after divorce, it does take effect. Why? Because kainam have what's called inherent sanctification. Meaning the same way when you're magdish something, you could have kedushas damin, which is a monetary holiness, or kedushas aguf, an inherent holiness. When a woman says kainam, kainam makes the thing usher inherently. So, Rava said, meaning, back to, back to the approach like this, that really she said her hands are usher. But wait a minute. If her hands are usher, yeah. So, this is the shot. Really, she said her hands are going to be usher after the divorce. I, and, and why does it work? I, it's Magda Shavashavah, and the answer is her hands exist. But wait a minute, and it's like it's like uh, it's like land. But we said, but wait a minute. By by hands, her hands don't really belong to her. They're really uh, more like they're the husband has rights. So we said no. The husband has like collateral rights to it. So it's really her hands, but the husband has rights to it. But we said still. But because the husband has rights to it, that should prevent her from being able to make her hands usher. So the answer is no. Kainam is so powerful that it could override a lien. Meaning, if I have a property that I lent to you and there's a lien on my property, and I, let's say, so you, you have it as collateral, and then I make Kedushas um, Haguf, I make the land itself holy, like with a Kainam or the Karban, that Lashen, the Halacha is, although you're holding on to the collateral, ownership wins. So too it is over here. So really she owns her hands, but her husband has the rights to it. So why is it that when she says Kainam the nether takes effect. The answer is because while she still is the owner, even though he has the rights to it, Kainim is so powerful that it penetrates through the lien. So while he has the like a lien on her hands, that she he sort of is holding onto her hands as like collateral, Kainim is so powerful that it actually takes effect. So the Gemara says one last problem. Well, if it takes effect, then why doesn't it take effect now? So the Gemara says, Tani You have to read the Mishnah as Va'oid So the Gemara in Ksubis explains what it means like this that although it should take effect now, because she owns her hands, she said her hands are usher, and she used the Lashon of Koinam, which is incredibly powerful and can penetrate, you'd think it would take effect now. So the Gemara in Ksubis explains what this means is. Chazal prevented it from taking effect because they wanted the husband to have the rights, meaning her hands really belong to her. But the husband gets the rights to her hands, meaning her earnings, because he's giving her mezainas. If she says kainam, while it technically should still take effect because that's how powerful kainam is, Chazal prevented it from taking effect 
until the divorce, because Chazal wanted his the husband to have the right to it. Meaning, so the so the Gemara says Tani va'oid shemir gershenu. So you have to read in the in the Mishnah va'oid shemir gershenu. One second. So what Rav Yechiel Nuri is saying like this: Really, it should take effect now, but it's unclear. Meaning, the Gemara Ksubis is confident that the the Rabbanon prevented uh, prevented. Um, prevented the for the kind of from taking effect till after divorce. But Rav Yechem Nuri is saying it like this, really it should take effect now, but Rav Yechem is saying that even if you say the Rabbanon strengthened the hand of the husband and prevented the kind of from taking effect, still you should remove the vow because Shem Yigashanam. So basically it's like this, when a woman says the nether, Rav Yechem is unclear, he's unsure, meaning in Ksubis he's confident, but over here he's unsure, he's unsure whether it takes effect now, he's just saying like this, if it takes effect now, because a kind of could take effect now, then you definitely want to nullify the vow. But even if you want to say like the Gemara in Ksubis says, that the Chazal prevented the Kainu from taking effect because they wanted the husband to have the rights to it, you should still nullify the vow, because maybe they'll get divorced, and then it'll definitely take effect. So according to this, really, Shmuel Kipaskin ain't other Magdish Javashal Beloilam, but over here, she's Magdish her hands, which she does she does own. I he has the rights to it, and it, and she, it, she sort of leaned it out. She sort of lent it out as collateral. Kainam is that powerful that it's able to override the lien. Okay. Um, let's just do the mission, then we'll stop. Now, the mission is basically dealing with the following situation: that a husband or father nullify a vow under false pretenses. They nullify a vow without having all the information. So let's. Um, yeah. One second. Okay. So the the Mishnah says like this: Nadra ishtoi v'savish another bita. His wife made a nether and he revoked it, but he thought his daughter had made the nether. Right. So uh, uh, you know, um, a father can nullify his daughter's vows, and a husband can nullify his wife's vows. So his wife made a nether. But he thought his daughter made the nether. So he nullified it thinking his daughter had made it. You know, he has an 11-year-old daughter. He hears a woman in your family said a certain thing, made a nether. So he didn't realize that it was his wife. He thought it was his daughter. So he revoked it. But then he finds out a couple days later that was his wife. Or another abita of his sabbatian Or the opposite. His daughter made a vow, but he thought it was his wife. Or his wife made a vow and thought it was his daughter. Or another bin nazir of another Or if he he thought that the nether was about naziris, Oh, I'm sorry, they, they actually made another nether to be a nazir, but he thought it was about a carbon. So he nullified it not knowing the subject of the nether. Or another carbon savish another nazir. Or nadra mitainim savish another She assered figs, but he thought she assered grapes. She abstained from grapes. Or another minanovim savish another So all these things he, rem- he removed the vow, but he didn't have all the information. The halach is hareza yachzer v'yafer. The halach is in all these cases when he finds out the truth, then he has to redo the removal. He has to be mefar again. Now, you see, there's two things. You see that the original doesn't work. The original nullification doesn't work. But also, you see that even if he hears about it days later, he could still remove it now. The, the, you see from here that it's it's right. We know that the the father or the husband has twenty four hours when he hears from the vow, but it's not when he hears that there's a vow. It's when he hears and has all the information about the vow. Because let's say he heard there was a vow on Monday, and then nullified it, and then on Wednesday he found out that he thought the vow was about grapes, but it was actually about figs. 
The halach is that on Wednesday he has another 24 hours because now is the first time that he actually knows the details of the vow. So he gets 24 hours from hearing accurate information about the vow. Okay? Now, um, the Gemara is going to explain that the source of this is because the Pasuk says, Yani Osa, which is that he removes her nether. Osa means that he, her nether, meaning he has to know who the subject is, either his wife or his daughter. Okay? All right, we'll stop here. We'll pick it up tomorrow.